0: I think that's really where the biohacking for women or for everyone really comes in because no one's going to know your body as well as you do, right? Like there were little things along the way that I was like, oh yeah, when I do that before bed, I feel like that in the morning. Let me write that down. That could be something, right? And there's like little things like that along your journey that no practitioner or doctor is going to be able to figure out. So that's why like I'm such a big you know proponent of biohacking. You have to know your body in and out and be able to tie the pieces together.
1: Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk
2: about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high-performance mind, body, and lifestyle.
1: Hi friends, I have a really fun episode for you today. I had such fun recording this. I sit down today with Lauren Sambatero and Renee Bells, who are otherwise known as the biohacker babes. And we just had the most fun time chatting about all things biohacking. We talk about why vegetarianism bit controversial, may not be the best diet for you. We talk about fasting and why the rules are different for women. We discuss why biohacking in itself is probably even more important for women than it is for men for many reasons. And we also talk about collagen and how it can help you look younger and how to make a really nice creamy coffee that tastes like a latte, but actually has none of the nasties in it and won't wreck your blood sugar. And then we talk about blood sugar monitoring. We talk about cortisol testing. What's important? Should you always be worried if cortisol is high and how to look at that daily rhythm and a whole lot more. Um, it was such fun recording this, as I say, so I can't wait to hear your feedback. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Lauren and Renee. So I am thrilled to be here today with the Biohacker Babes. I'm here with Lauren Sambatero and Renee Bowles. It's so good to have you guys on the show. I'm so excited to chat to you today.
0: Yes, right back at you, Angela. We're excited to have you on our show and kind of share all your knowledge with our listeners. This is going to be a fun three-way female biohacker mastermind, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we've exactly.
2: never done this. It'll be nice to just have a casual chat as three biohackers talk about what we've been doing, what's fascinating us these days. So we'll just go around the table.
1: Yeah. Exciting. So let's kind of, um, let's kick off with that. Cause I guess the thing is biohacking is becoming more and more popular, I think for women. And I think it's, almost even more important, because we are, let's face it, we are a bit more complicated than men. Um, I don't know if you guys agree, but I think that biohacking for women is so important, especially from a hormonal perspective. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely.
2: I mean, I think as a species that can reproduce, we can create other bodies inside of us, we're definitely more complex. There's so many more processes, hormonally and metabolically that happen that don't happen for men. So it is a much more complex case. There's much more um, depth that we need to look at when it comes to health and fitness and lifestyle and longevity and all of the things. It continues
1: yeah so true and actually it was that was my first foray back when i was still practicing as a lawyer because it was actually my hormones that kind of kicked the whole thing off because i um i was struggling with pcos and so initially i was actually prescribed metformin um the diabetic drug which obviously is a great kind of biohacking longevity drug but for me it gave me like the worst indigestion i literally could not eat on it and so i kind of and it was basically drugs and surgery that's how they were going to treat it and that was quite scary because I was sort of told that I might never have children. So for me, I was desperately still practicing as a lawyer, but kind of hunting around and reading everything I could to work out, you know, how could I actually make this better myself? And that was really my first foray into it. And I kind of realized that there was a link between, you know, glucose metabolism and insulin sensitivity and PCOS that kind of started to unlock things for me, but I'm curious, um, what about you both? So Renee, let's like kick off with you. What kind of, what first led you to get into biohacking?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think Angela, I had a similar journey where it was like a personal health issue and I couldn't get answers. I was in my early twenties. I was exhausted. I had brain fog. Um, traditional medicine had no idea. You know, they ran all the lab tests. They said I was completely normal just keep sleeping. You're fine but I didn't want to take that as an answer. So I kept searching and our dad is actually a biological dentist. So he's been in the holistic world since I would say like the mid eighties. So our parents were a really good influence on us. And, you know, my dad connected me with a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, massage therapist, uh, nutritionist. Cause I hadn't gone back to school for nutrition yet. And I was like looking everywhere, running whatever lab tests I could find. I mean, you should see the stack of labs I have, like, <laughs> I need like <laughs> a stink. separate filing cabinet just for all the labs, but I was just trying to like grasp onto anything I could find. Um, and ultimately it ends up being, I had to biohack everything, right? Circadian rhythm, my diet, my sleep optimization, heavy metal toxicity, hormonal imbalance, right? It wasn't just one thing. And I think that's really where the biohacking for women or for everyone really comes in because no one's going to know your body as well as you do, right? Like there were little things along the way that I was like, oh yeah, when I do that before bed, I feel like that in the morning. Let me write that down. That could be something, right? And there's like little things like that along your journey that no practitioner or doctor Mm -hmm. is going to be able to figure out. So that's why, like I'm such a big you know proponent of biohacking. You have to know your body in and out and be able to tie the pieces together. Of course, having a coach like one of us along the way, I think we just speed the process up. But at the end of the day, it's really that person's job to listen and be aware and take note of what's happening,
1: yeah, so that's I kind of how it
0: got me into biohacking.
1: Interesting. And that's such a powerful exercise, isn't it? When you start actually tracking and looking at the data and thinking, okay, when I do this, this happens. And when I do something else, I get a completely different result. What about you, Lauren? Isn't it
0: kind of fun? (laughs) Yeah, it is fun. It is. It can be actually a a health...
1: (laughs) It's quite obsessional, isn't it? But I guess it's a healthy obsession. What about you, Lauren? How did you kind of... Yeah.
2: So putting the puzzle together, sort of mapping out health... Um, I don't know what my first introduction to biohacking was other than, you know, we grew up with our dad who was doing weird things at home, mm-hmm. but I definitely wouldn't have called this biohacking at the time, but I was a vegetarian for a very long time, uh, almost eight years. I went to college and, uh, a nutritionist that I saw in high school told my mom, she's going to go to college and she's going to become a vegetarian. Just you wait. <laughs> and it happened <laughs> like clockwork. <laughs> Yeah, and I was quote unquote thriving for a while. You know, I, I was really motivated by animal rights and creating a healthy body was what I thought was a healthy body. And over time, I was losing my energy, my life force. I wasn't recovering mm. from illness. I wasn't recovering from injuries. I was, I was dancing, performing, and I felt terrible. And I started to eat animal products again. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, that was kind of biohacking because I was listening to my body. I was kind of putting like the nutrient pieces together for this puzzle, so I could bring back my vitality and my energy. And that was a game changer for me. And that's just the personalization behind it. Biohacking is all about personalizing because we're not unique. We sorry, we are incredibly unique. We are not like anyone else. So maybe that could work for someone else. It didn't work for me, and that was the first. Time in my life where I thought, okay, there's something else here and I have to put the pieces together. And I love that. I love that we have to question and find our own answers. It's incredibly frustrating that traditional medicine can't do that for us sometimes. Sometimes they can help us along the way but I like that you almost like hit a wall and have to turn and and do some research and look a different direction. It's like, you know, just like people, if we agreed all the time, we wouldn't learn, we wouldn't go any deeper. So if we can have some kind of conflict or hit up against the wall, then it makes us question. It makes us go deeper into the earth. It makes us, you know, expand our mind and our consciousness and we have solutions that's biohacking. I think that's really, really cool.
1: Yeah, that's very cool. That's very true as well. And so like, um, in terms of vegetarianism, because I'm just really curious, because I've heard this a lot. I have never been a vegetarian myself, but in terms of like that process of you losing your energy, initially when people turn vegetarian, I think they get this real health kick. And sometimes it's because they've been eating processed food before, but they actually just feel really, really good, don't they? Particularly if they're not, I mean, there's two styles of vegetarianism, right? You could just eat pizza and pasta and you'd still be vegetarian. <laughs> but right. if you're eating a healthy diet. So when your experience... Um, What happened? Like, when did you, did you feel good in the beginning and then your energy slowly declined or what did you notice yourself?
2: I don't even think I was tuned into my body at that time. It was a decision that I made. I convinced myself it was the healthy choice. And so there wasn't really this listening process or wasn't a give and take. It was like, this is what I'm doing because this is good for me. Right. End of story. So I think it took years for me to start noticing the effects. So I really only noticed the negative effects. I definitely didn't get that boost that I see in other people now, people that are jumping on this plant-based diet, right? We all have friends that have, mm. have tried that. And yes, they feel better because they were eating crap before. I don't really know. That was so long ago. And uh, you know, in college, I was eating cereal and tuna fish out of a can, you know. <laughs> building up your mercury levels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't remember, like, I don't remember a remarkable shift, but I do remember that I was, I was definitely under caloric restriction. I was not eating enough calories. So that was a huge piece of it. So if we, I know we're going to go down this fasting rabbit hole probably for women and it's so personal and that's a big reason why I think women don't do well on fasting is that we start to restrict calories. So, and and that was just a piece of it. You know, I was malnourished. I wasn't getting the nutrition I needed, but yeah, I don't think I felt that initial, I guess, high from (laughs) reducing processed foods. I just felt when I finally crashed and burned. Yeah. Well,
0: you probably didn't have like a crazy transition. Like you weren't eating, you know, McDonald's and then switched. You were like eating, yeah, like maybe Porta tuna fish cereal. out of a can. Yeah, I think you're. It just yeah. wasn't as big of a jump. And then you were, you were very active, right? You were dancing all through college and after college. And always, I think yeah. like, you know, the big debate we see now between like vegetarianism and maybe carnivore on the other extreme, or like when we're looking at these studies that say, oh, meat is increasing the risk for cancer. It's killing us. You know, what about the lifestyle factors, right? The people that are eating meat are also more likely to smoke drink alcohol, not exercise versus someone that gets on the vegan kick, you know, they're eating more vegetables. They're doing yoga. They're meditating. Like there's lifestyle things that come into play. But for you, Lauren, my point is I don't think there was like a major shift in the lifestyle factors. I agree. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so you didn't see that. And I guess it must've been a quite a different upbringing, right? Growing up with a dad that was already into kind of, I guess, biohacking, but that's not how he probably turned it, but into biological dentistry and and going very natural things. Cause that was, a, you know, I guess, um, well, I think you guys in the US are a bit more pro- progressive in this regard than we are in the UK anyway. We're always a little bit right. behind you. But certainly like when I was growing up, it was kind of, well, you know, if you're ill, you go to the doctor and they prescribe you some medication and that's kind of the route out, um, which obviously is not going to be how you kind of get yourself back to optimal health by any stretch, but it must've been kind of fun, I guess, going and different growing up in that environment.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, and yeah, like you said, our dad didn't call it biohacking back then. I think he was just... He was just hacking his biology and it happened to be later called biohacking kind of thing. Um, I mean, yeah, we had like an infrared sauna in high school and a vibration plate. Like we definitely had access to some really cool things and um, got a little bit more into nutrition and, and supplements, you know, using like homeopathic remedies where maybe someone else would have used a prescription medication So definitely a good, right. If someone
2: was feeling ill and maybe we had to go to the doctor, you know, my dad would pull out his arsenal of homeopathic remedies and vitamins and herbs before we went to the doctor, you know, it's like, try these 50 different oils and ointments before <laughs> you took And it's interesting,
1: isn't it? Cause you do actually like, we have a, an infrared sauna here at home and you know, I noticed like my teenage son dives into it and I think, you know, we have a gym, so they're always working out the boys, like they're into it. And I think it makes such a massive difference because we basically do as our parents do rather than as they say. So yes, oh, yes. it's such a head start for you girls, right? Growing up in that environment. Yeah, wow. but I
0: still managed to go off to college and gain the freshman eighteen.
1: <laughs> Is that what you call it there, the freshman yeah, eighteen? That's I think it's hilarious. usually the
0: freshman fifteen, but I managed to get eighteen pounds on in one semester. Plus three. That's good. Yeah. Going. Yeah. I Do you just, have a term for crazy. that, Angela?
1: <laughs> no, we don't actually. We have a very I guess that's rude, an American like, thing. <laughs> yeah, one for the the first week of Freshers Week, but um. Yeah. That, that revolves around something completely different, (laughs) but no, actually it's funny that you say that though, because looking back, I definitely look back at my first year at uni and I put on weight from all the alcohol and everything else. And I guess everyone does, but yeah, we don't, we don't think of it in that way. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, we don't have a term for it. So, but yes, the indulgence,
0: the beer and pizza will get to you. For sure, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just the
2: natural progression of young adulthood, I guess. Probably more forgiving. We're so judgmental. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Why would you do that to your body. Yeah, yeah. I'm so curious. Messing. So, how are your your kids responding to this? And what was that first experience of your son going in in, in France sauna? Do they question it, or do they just go in and try it out?
1: Just Is there generate... conversation around it? Yeah, they just, they embrace it. They enjoy it. I think um, we've always kind of, like my husband I have been into things, as you were saying with your dad, so like meditation. So they've, you know, not all three of them. My eldest is, I suppose, more open to this. But then even my eight-year-old, you know, it's like really fun. The other day I was saying to her, she, she'd been, she does, they both, both my two youngest are big swimmers. And so she was like, oh, my hair's so dry. And she was like, can you give me a hand this time washing my hair? Because obviously at eight, she can do it herself, but you're never going to, quite get the shampoo out in the same way and then we were in the shower and she was like mommy 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 we've got to finish with the cold rinse and you know bracing herself and she's like we've got to do the cold shower she kind of rips it out of daddy for not doing it and so it's weird isn't it but I think the more you grow up in that environment the more they want to do it and she was like this just she was telling I think her tutor actually was basically asking her to write her perfect day and she was obviously talking about a day on holiday but then she was like then I come off the beach and then I get in a cold shower. And he was like, why do you go in a cold shower? And she was like, because it builds resilience. That was really funny, but yeah, yeah. I think they At do embrace time. it. So, you know what? I'll say all of this and they'll probably hit 18 and go to uni and then do the freshers 18 or whatever you call it. And just like drink loads. You can't. I mean, everyone goes through it, don't they? So, yeah. And then
0: they come home on winter break and they
1: say, Mom, help me. Yeah, exactly. Get me back to how I was. I feel terrible. Um, Yeah. yeah. So they've done various things, actually. They've like, you know, they've tracked their sleep. And then they'll come with their stats and show you their deep sleep. Our children are magical sleepers. Like, like my aura is never going to match my kids' sleep scores. You know, they- Do they have aura? Are they wearing aura? Rings? They don't wear auras, but they've done it before where they might use like, that like sleep cycle and put it to airplane mode so it's not doing it and then they track it so it's not as accurate but then they'll be like and their sleep's perfect you know it just follows the cycles like you want to like you just see on a scientific report of how your sleep architecture should be and I guess that's the thing about being a kid isn't it so they do these fun things the stress
2: hasn't hit yet the stress not
1: yet exactly um
2: (laughs) but I was really curious
1: there because you were talking like you mentioned um fasting back there and I think it is such a difficult thing isn't it for women I think not enough women understand that it is a stress on the body and Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to to help get the message out there that you have to look at, like there are seasons in life and this might not be the time for you to be doing like daily 20 hour fast. So like for me, exactly. I don't know about you two, but I find you got to put in the whole thing that's going on. So I'm busy, I'm running my business and I've got three children and we're running around here, there and everywhere. And I exercise a lot. So for me doing really extended fasts, I think just actually just pushes my cortisol up. It lowers my HRV. So I'm kind of quite moderate. Whereas in another 10 years time when the kids have left home and you know I'm in a different hormonal stage, then maybe that would be the right time. And I'm just curious what you found in terms of your own experiments as well and working with clients in terms of fasting for women.
2: I mean, it's definitely harder for us and it is a stressor and you have to have your stress managed and you have to look at every facet of that. And I can understand that you as a mom with three kids, I mean, that there's that so much stress there. <laughs> so that's a really hard starting point. I always think it's interesting when men are like, oh, you can do it. Like, or, or I have so many male friends that just don't eat till 4pm. They don't even think twice about it. Like, oh, I feel terrible. <laughs> and you know, there is a psychological component to it because we're used to eating. I like food. I don't want to not eat food. So part of me is like, I, don't, I just don't want to do it. So I try to go beyond that. So part of my fasting challenge is just to see if I can go beyond the psychological component and actually get some of the best benefits, which are longevity, autophagy, you know, a, a greater um, insulin sensitivity, blood glucose. But, you know, there's some days when my body can't handle it. And I have to be really honest about that. So, you know, using the aura ring, my whoop, um, and then just checking in with symptoms to see how I'm feeling. But I think to enter that challenge without tracking, without doing any quantification could be a really dangerous thing. Mm,
0: Yeah. Yeah, And Lauren, you go into that fast knowing like if you need to cut it short, you're going to do that.
2: Yes. So I'm fasting today. I, I tend to task, uh, fast on Tuesdays just to keep a schedule. And I have my CGM, which arm is it on? There it is.
1: Oh, yeah. Those are great fun. And they I got so much data when I did that myself, actually. So much.
2: The yeah. trends, just like aura Ring, we're looking at the trends, which are so helpful. So mm. I will monitor that during the day because we know that blood glucose aligns itself with stress in the body. And so if I see it trending it upward or downward, I
1: will break the fast. Okay. Um, and now what do you aim to do? So when you fast on a Tuesday, what are you aiming to get to if you don't break it?
2: Originally, my aim was 24 hours. I have never achieved that. Okay. So I generally aim for 20 hours. And depending on where I am in my cycle, that's a huge part of it. There are oh, some things I won't do it, depending on where I am. Um, or if I'm under some other type of physical stress, I won't, but I woke up very recovered today. I feel good. I'm in the right part of my cycle. My glucose was good. My HRV was good. So I'm aiming to do 20 hours, but you know, I'll I'll see how I feel. There are days when I just kind of bonk Mm -hmm. and, you know, I've had men in my life say like, you just need to push through that. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, you don't understand. Alpha male, (laughs) right? I'm like, I don't want to push through that. I don't want to put that added stress in my adrenals. Why would I do that? Yeah, you know, we're we're losing the benefit.
1: Yeah, for sure. Benefit is
2: not to lose weight. It's not for caloric restriction. That is a part of it, but that's not the reason for it
1: and what have you found with your blood glucose because i found that whenever i was um sort of stressed even on a fasting reading in the morning so say for example i wake up most days it would be this is going to be tricky now because i think you guys measure it differently so we have a different scale so it was like 4.4 right. 4. 4, which is pretty low and then if I was really stressed, like someone had kept me up at night, or I think I did this at the beginning of the pandemic when I was homeschooling three at the same time. And so then it would like shoot up even fasting to 5.7. So do you notice like quite a significant, if you start to feel under stress? I will notice generally it will drop my, my glucose. Oh, that's interesting. It'll go down because mine went up.
2: Yeah. Uh. Um, But in general, the picture, the trend for the day is that I have really stable blood glucose. And that's one of the reasons I do it. And what I've seen long-term is that my, my blood glucose is just more stable, even on days when I'm not fasting from this one day. Ah, interesting. So it's been really helpful to me, but you know, we know the studies, there's not a lot of studies on women, right. And the studies that are out there, they tend to be on longer term fasts. I'm not sure what research you've looked at. I would love to to go back and forth about this, but I think it's inconclusive. So you really have to do your own experiment.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Well, most of the research is just menopausal women, men, and then mm. rats. Like, yeah, I don't exactly. think they're looking at women in their 20s, 30s, 40s.
2: Right, which so many differences there. I've seen some studies on obese women, but you haven't gotten really down to the nitty nitty gritty for people to be able to
1: correlate. Right. So you found that one day's fasting is actually enhancing your blood sugar stability across the whole of the rest of the week, basically. That's interesting, isn't it?
2: I can't say with 100% confidence that that's why. It could just be general... Um, I've, I've
1: really like dialed in my eating because of my mm. CGM, but it oh definitely helps you do that. Don't you think? Have you done this Renee? Have you tracked tra- 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 mm-hmm. yours with us? I found that it, re- it really, helped held yeah. me accountable. And do you know, one of the biggest surprises for me was I know that juicing always elevates blood sugar, but what was really interesting was I made a celery juice, which lots of people will say, you know, obviously super healthy. They drink it daily and right it literally skyrocketed. That was really, really an eye-opener for me because it was like, as soon as you remove the fiber, and I think, you know, when I look at my genetics, I am more sensitive to carbohydrates. And actually it was interesting because my husband wore a CGM at the same time. So we were both tracking together and the same um, food item would not have the same impact on his. And that's, that's the beauty of biohacking, isn't it? It's because we're all so different yeah. and he did not yeah. see that happen, but in me, it literally skyrocketed. Um, so yeah, it was oh, really that's cool. what a cool challenge. So did he have anything yeah. that that skyrocketed
2: his levels and not yours?
1: He was more sensitive to caffeine than I was. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. That would have more of an impact, which was interesting.
0: Um, Yeah. Oh, I would love for my husband to wear one and see what his is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and to do it together when you're eating the same thing is actually really fun. Yeah. So have you made
2: changes to family meals or the way that you cook or prep food together?
1: Well, actually what was interesting was it was only certain things like that. So I was like, okay, I need to be aware of that. I don't actually juice a lot in any event. So I'd say that was one change. I did notice the other thing I noticed was Caffeine I had to be careful with in the afternoon. So it definitely elevated my blood sugar in the afternoon but not so much of an impact in the morning but I think that I was tired. So then I was experimenting, well, what if I meditate instead of caffeine, what happens? And it is really interesting how much more stable my energy is and how much more stable my blood sugar was. So a few tweaks, but then mostly like you, mine was very, very stable. So I wasn't seeing changes. There were a couple of times, and I'm gonna repeat the experiment because there were a couple of times when I saw my blood sugar lower quite significantly at night. And that was interesting. So it would record mm-hmm. us being kind of in a, not a danger zone, right? But it's enough if I'd been up and around, I think, to make you lightheaded. So that was interesting me seeing it go the other way. Um,
2: yeah. I've seen that in the red. I know Renee, you've really been working on your dips through the night, right?
0: Yeah. I had the same thing. I was seeing like two, 3 AM, these dips happening And I was trying to do like a 14 hour fast every night. That's been my goal. And I thought I was feeling pretty good with that. But then when I saw these dips, I added in a little snack before bed. And I just did like that Dave Asprey recipe. It's a tablespoon of nut butter, a teaspoon of raw honey and a teaspoon of MCT oil. And that stopped the dip. Interesting. Yeah, but it's that debate. I'm like, okay, so I'm losing out on that full fast, but Mm. my sleep is probably better. Mm. so yeah, yeah that's, that's such interesting. a thing
2: with fasting a lot of people their quality of sleep goes down and if that's happening what's really the point there right we yeah. should never yeah. be compromising our sleep
1: no never when you when you think like how beneficial sleep is and also like so for me yeah. I tell you what was really interesting was I discovered when I looked at my genetics that I have one copy of APOE4 so the Alzheimer's gene so you know us when you too. look at you do do you so yeah Dr. Dale Bredesen's work, you know, he'll talk about if you have two APOE3, your risk is like 9%. If you have one of APOE4, it goes up to 30%. And then if you have two, it's over 50%. So you're now kind of more likely than not to develop it. And that made me really prioritize my sleep so much more than ever before because of that lymphatic drainage and cleansing of the brain and things. And I think you're absolutely right. Like you have to look at what, what am I giving up here in return for something that might be potentially beneficial, but then I might be down regulating something else and I think sleep is right. so so important because that's ultimately lack of sleep I think I would credit with what really put in place my whole kind of burnout um, that happened to me just because you know certainly as lawyers we just totally disrespected sleep it was just sure lawyers yeah. and
2: doctors
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so
2: what did you do to enhance your sleep?
1: So for me, I'm very, I guess I'm very disciplined with my evening routine. So in terms of always making sure that I don't eat any closer than three hours before bed, Um, I find that if I've got any kind of, you know, like if you've seen friends and you've had a later dinner or you've had a glass of wine, then what happens is my heart rate. I find it's not so much the HRV that gets affected. I find that my resting pulse elevates by quite a significant for digestion. Do you? It's interesting, isn't it? And I think, Mm -hmm. God, that must be putting pressure on my cardiovascular system. So I don't eat or drink for three hours before bed. Um, I only had that kind of one maybe two occurrences where my blood sugar dipped, so it wasn't something i I tried to change by actively having a snack. Um, And the other thing is I'm really careful with light before bed and just what I expose myself to. I'm definitely sensitive. I mean, if you if I go to the movies and watch a film, you know, in the cinema, big screen, loud, I could be up for like two, three hours after that. I find the blue light, the drama of it all so stimulating. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm really careful with that. And I'll always wear blue blockers in the evening. Um, So yeah, and and try and do something kind of calming. But what about about you? What have you found? Both of you have kind of moved the needle the most on sleep?
2: Definitely light and any stimulation from TV. You know, that used to be Mm. such a a habit. It's like, oh, we wind down for bed. Let's put on a TV show or a movie. Now it's It's so easy Is about it it. after nine o'clock. I'm not going to engage in something on the TV, maybe a little bit earlier, but definitely the blue light blocking glasses and avoiding emfs has been um another upgrade that was a Mm -hmm. game changer not just avoiding the blue light but just being near wi-fi if i was on my computer trying to you know get that last bit of work done in the evening would really affect my sleep pretty significantly
1: yeah that's interesting have you found that renee
0: um yeah, I think I'm maybe not so much with the EMFs, but definitely the lighting at night. Same thing. I think with you're nine better o'clock. about
2: not doing work at night, Renee.
0: <laughs> so you probably don't well, notice it. <laughs> I I'm feel bad because, well, I it's my fault because I'm texting you when it's like eight o'clock here. You know, eleven ah, o'clock for you, yeah. and I'm texting her business stuff. I try to not bother her at night, but <laughs> <laughs> the time the time zone shift is a little tough. Yeah, um, it's tough. Yeah, and well, yeah, I try not to work too late at night. So yeah, turning off the electronics, um alcohol is the biggest thing for me for sleep. I mean, one or two drinks it just just ruins my sleep completely. So definitely staying away from that. And then CBD oil is something that's been a game changer. I get like almost 3 hours of deep sleep on the nights I take CBD oil. Interesting.
1: Cuz I okay. never saw any kind of really dramatic improvements. Isn't that interesting? Mm.
2: Yeah, I didn't either. Have you had to cycle the type that you take?
0: No, but it did take me a while to find one that did that. You know, and I tried that so many. It, that one works continuously. That one. Well, I actually found two that, that work for me.
1: Which um, one? Are you, which ones are you using?
0: So I use Designs for Health Canab FS. That is one. I don't know if you have that where you are. You um, might do. So Designs for Health. And then the other one, it's from a company called Recover, but it's just an organic CBD oil and it has actually valerian root and I think passion flower added to it.
1: Oh, nice. So very so this kind of
0: Yeah. And like, I, I mean, I've been trying CBD for probably five years. I remember at like, you know, anti-aging conferences, they're like, oh, I'll try this CBD and this CBD. I'm like, I'll try anything. And I never felt anything. And I'm like, these are such a waste of money. And especially like five years ago, they were charging... $200 mm. for this tiny little bottle of CBD oil. Fortunately, that's come down, but um, it's ultimately. Still pretty
2: expensive though.
0: It is, it is. But but for me, that's like, that's a priority. I try to only do it five nights a week just to not overwhelm my system.
1: And where, how are you taking it? you taking it um, sublingually, like under Sub- the tongue? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I didn't notice huge um, kind of benefits with it, but I. Yeah. I'd kind of, I guess I'd like to experiment again. I find that things change. You know what I did notice going back to EMFs? I think, you know, there's some science, scientific research, isn't there, that EMFs themselves actually interfere with melatonin production. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I found yeah. is recently my father's been really ill in hospital. And so I've been much more kind of, I've had to be more more accessible in terms of phone calls. My mom's been staying with me now, but before that. And so I never, our Wi-Fi goes off at night or mobile phone are turned off. So because of the access I wanted to give my mum, I kept my phone on and that has dramatically, and obviously it's for a short period and I feel it's necessary, but it has dramatically impacted my deep sleep. My, my aura, oh, like my deep sleep score has just, and whereas I was always somebody who would have really good levels of deep and REM. And yeah, that just trashed my deep sleep score, yeah. but it's Where's difficult because it could be stress. So Is it's your phone kind of next to the... the- no, it's sort of away from me um on the other side of the room, but just enough so that if I need to get up, I can get it. But I think even yeah. just that radiation, I didn't realize how sensitive. But then it's difficult because, also it's a stressful time. So is my deep sleep impacted? Because actually, you know, like when you look at cortisol and melatonin, they have an inverse cycle, don't they? An inverse relationship. So if cortisol is high, you're not going to produce as much. So it's difficult because I wonder, is it, you know, can I really attribute it to EMFs? But, you know, normally I would never have my phone on. So, but it's just interesting, like that dysregulation.
2: Yeah, Um, I definitely believe that's contributing to it. I think there's also a an aspect of you just being a little bit more alert as a caretaker. And I think this is something that moms probably really struggle with because you have to be alert. You know, you're the caretaker, you're responsible for survival of other human beings. So deep sleep when you're raising children is severely impacted and and interesting. Like now, as you take care of your parents, I mean, how could you mind fully relax knowing that someone might need you? Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's very true, and that's a common thing I see mm-hmm. with clients. Actually, with teenage children who are maybe going off to to college or university, is the mums feel like they have to keep the phone on because yeah. they want to be accessible, but then you're never really switching off, and you have got that EMF exposure. It's difficult because people yeah. aren't using landlines really anymore at all, are they? So, no. No. it's everyone. Yeah, it's uses funny.
0: Their um, one of my girlfriends, she has two kids. Well, she has two kids that are away at college, and then her uh, now husband has three kids away at college. And she jokingly said this weekend with Thanksgiving, all the kids are going to be home under one roof. And she said, "I can finally sleep for a couple nights."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can believe that. Yeah. yeah, that must be how it is, right? Because you're always worrying about them. Yeah, yeah five so kids all at to college. Go out.
2: And hang out with their friends. They're out till 2 a.m. and mom still isn't going (laughs) to sleep.
1: Yeah. 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 It's so true though.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, speaking of those hormones like cortisol and melatonin, I'm curious, Angela, do you do that kind of testing with clients?
1: I do sometimes. Yeah. I will look at part of like, like with Dutch testing, um, I'll oh, look okay. at like cortisol testing. Um, I tell you what's really interesting actually when you look at cortisol is I did some, um, testing on myself about six months ago. Cause I was very, um, uh, ane- well, not quite anemic, but I had an iron deficiency where I needed infusions to do with the PCOS. And I was looking at all my hormones and what I noticed is because, um, You know, I had this period of burnout where I then had pneumonia and I was hospitalized and it took me a long time to kind of get back on track. And even now, I think that like turning that ship around from burnout is so difficult. So what I noticed looking at my own cortisol that was very interesting was, yes, it did go up in the morning and it would almost like overshoot to get me out. But then my metabolized cortisol was really low. And my salivary cortisol was very low um, within like an hour of waking. So it just wasn't enough. And I think commonly, I think you see that don't you in very, very driven, particularly like we were saying with the stress with women, particularly driven women have to be so careful because I think you can push so hard to the point of, and I was falling into the trap that I knew I shouldn't, you know, that whole thing of like, well, I just need caffeine to get going or, you know what, I'm gonna do another HIIT workout because then the endorphins make me go for a run. The endorphins make me feel amazing. And actually all you're doing is just adding the stress and stress and stress until finally, like my own body was just struggling to actually produce enough cortisol to naturally make me feel more awake during the day and then drop off at night. So it would just drop off. I mean, it was flatlined by the evening but it would just drop off way too quickly. I don't know if you've seen that yourself with, and I've seen it with clients, generally in women who just push, I think, too hard for too long.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that relationship between free cortisol and the metabolized cortisol is like your body didn't have the opportunity to make it because there was no reserve. Mm, exactly. um, I, I dealt with my own, what they called it at the time, adrenal fatigue. We <laughs> you know it's HPA, axis dysfunction. And I had to totally flip my lifestyle. I entirely pulled back to, pulled back on caffeine. I prioritize sleep. Like just let myself sleep whenever stopped doing intense workouts. I mean, you Mm -hmm. can't, like you said, if you keep adding that stimulus, which is fuel to the fire, you're not going to be able to build up that reserve again. It's like you really, I love the analogy. I just pictured you said turning the ship around. It's almost like you hit an iceberg. You have to turn the Titanic around. It's so hard to round that corner Same as like making any massive changes to body composition or to change lifestyle habits. The beginning, recreating that foundation is so hard. And then once you get back on that path, it becomes a little bit easier, but you have to make massive changes if you want to build up.
1: Yeah, um, you do. And I think a lot of people don't realize that either, do they? Is they? They actually, then they keep pushing. There's another thing, I don't know if you see this, where you'll see that people, they push harder and then they get a little bit of weight loss resistance. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. clients and they say to me, I'm just one and a half kilos off, which is what, that's like three pounds. It's tiny, oh, but it's like, know. I'm pushing and pushing. And they don't realize that, as you say, it's like We need to just dial things back and then it just comes off. And I've seen it in my own body as well. You know, it's so easy to think, I just need to do more. I need to do more. I'm not doing enough. And then actually you do what you're saying and you go for long walks and yoga and sleep when you can. And all of a sudden, like that one and that three or four pounds in body weight just comes off. There's no like abdominal fat. And it's a sign because now your body's back in balance. But it sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it, to people? right but i do i
2: agree with you i think using something like the dutch chest to have that visual and to show clients what's actually happening because it's hard to match the data Mm -hmm. with physiological symptoms if you're not actually seeing what's happening in the body so that can be really powerful to use
0: yeah Yeah.
2: you know the saliva work the urine work the blood work all of it creating that picture together
0: yeah because i think there's a big misunderstanding with cortisol like people think cortisol is bad Like whatever I can do to lower it is good. and Mm -hmm. um, But unless you test, you don't know, is your cortisol high all day? Is it low all day? Is it high in the morning, low in the evening? Low in the morning, high in the evening, right? You don't know. And then different supplements and different lifestyle things are going to change how you would approach that. Um, And then I have to say for anyone that's, you know, maybe done cortisol blood testing in the morning, like that's not telling you anything. No right? I mean, how stressed do we get when we're having our blood drawn? I would think your cortisol would be high, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I start sweating every time. (laughs)
2: Yeah. 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 So that's not a good
0: picture. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I know. I'm always like, I can't look. And the phlebotomist is like, are you okay? I'm fine. I just don't want to look. Yeah. That's (laughs) why I
2: love with the Dutch test that they're using the the salivates now where you just like pop it in your cheek. It's horrible
1: though. Do you not think? I just... Oh, I it's found that so It's better than spitting hard. into a tube. Just the chewing—I—I—I I don't yeah. know. Maybe like the chewing on it, it just feels like. But then I'm really sensitive to like you know cotton wool, anything that makes you feel like your teeth are sensitive. So just sticking it oh, in my sure. mouth and trying yeah. to—it is a little bit. So It's—it's like cardboard, isn't it? But it's yeah. easier. Hey, it's easier for many people than giving blood, isn't it? So
0: yeah, yeah. and the, I have to say, the spitting in the tube—I had a really bad experience one time. I was doing a cortisol test with the spitting in the tube. And it was my first one. I was barely awake. I just rolled out of bed and I, I'm spitting and spitting and, Oh, it's finally full. I go to put the lid on and I hit the bottle, oh, the no. tube oh, and the oh, saliva no. went all over my bathroom counter. And then I'm oh. like, Oh, now my cortisol's really high. Cause I'm yeah. like so stressed.
1: I better not do it again now.
0: Yeah. The trials yeah. and tribulations <laughs> of lab testing.
2: It's not easy, but- Yeah, get through
1: it. But it is worth doing. So what have you kind of, and since, I mean, you guys were saying when we were chatting earlier that you're about to go into another kind of lockdown, as I mentioned in the UK here, we're just about to come out of one. What have you kind of been working on in, have you done anything new and exciting in lockdown that you've been like, Hey, this has been a time to experiment with something different?
0: I think for me, Probably the biggest thing is, so starting today, there will be no gyms for me. So um, I'm really going to just take the next couple of weeks to kind of do everything we were just saying. I'm going to do more walking, more yoga. I have an infrared sauna, so I'm going to be using that more often. And just try and really focus on sleep and recovering. And that's what I did like the beginning, the first shutdown here. I really focused on that. And it's funny, like what we were saying about once you kind of let go, the weight will kind of fall off. I was a little worried. The beginning of shutdown. I'm like, I'm going to be stuck at home. I can't work out. I'm going to gain all this weight. But really, I did everything I just said, the yoga and all the uh, more working in stuff. And I didn't gain any weight. No. You know? Cause it's you're just amazing, like letting your body. Yeah. So I think the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to focus on, on that, try and see the positive in this crazy time. <laughs> um, and just try and relax and let it be.
2: That yeah. I think so the positivity cool. is such a huge thing. Cause I think a lot of the weight gain that's happened for people this year is just out of fear our bodies shutting down and being afraid and then having that cortisol rise and seeking comfort yeah. through food. But if we can just like breathe a little bit more, meditate a little bit more. I know for me, I've been really prioritizing walking because in New York, I generally walk 20,000 steps in a day without even trying. Mm. So to go on a, even a partial lockdown, I have less miles to travel. So I'm always trying to find creative ways just to move more. So like, I'll take my uh, the stairwell up to the roof and back down and kind of cycle around as I check my email and Instagram. And
1: But that um, adds up so quickly, yeah. don't you think? I think people don't realize that. I always do that. Like I'll always go, if I'm going to use the bathroom, I'll go to a different floor because just oh, yeah. even that right. just makes a difference, right? You can yeah, see it right. compared to a day where you're just sort of sitting. So yeah. it makes, I think people underestimate the power of it. But um, that sounds cool. I'll tell you what I tried, actually, uh, that's New York based recently was I don't know if you've come across them as a brand of nootropics called Find My Formula that's yes. based, they're a New York-based company. They send them to I me. I love them.
0: Yes. Yeah, I we really had Adam and
1: Dan found. on our show. Uh, they're incredible. Ah, they yeah, they were really interesting. And they did some questionnaires. And it was exciting because I actually don't really like MCT oil. I don't really like the taste. And I had noticed that in one of their formulations, they'd encapsulated it, which I hadn't yeah. seen before. And it was really, there were two that I liked better than the other two, but all of them actually Made me really switched on. Like I I got hours of productivity. It's really interesting. So you guys yeah. have tried them as well. Yeah. yeah. Renee, you saw I, incredible benefits from it. Oh, right?
0: I feel amazing. Um, and I fine-tuned it over the last year of like which ones. And I'm actually enjoying the caffeine-free creativity one. Cause that was the only thing I was doing the ones with caffeine at first. And I was like, Amped up for the day. Yeah. <laughs> so then I started getting the caffeine free ones, and I still have like amazing energy and clarity for like 10, 11
1: hours. That's amazing. Yeah. I did the caffeine yeah, we... free actually on all the formulations. Okay. Yeah, because what I said to them is I'm probably going to have some caffeine anyway. And so I actually, and also I don't think you can really understand which ones are working, right? Because caffeine works anyway. So it's right. like, how do I know what's caffeine and what's not? But yeah, no, you're right. right. I think they work really, really super well without caffeine. Creativity was one of the ones I liked and there was one other, I need to check the name. Um,
0: Motivation I, or logic or energy. I didn't get
1: given logic. It's because you know how okay. they personalize it. I right, forget right. The there was another one. Yeah, it was interesting, yeah. but I thought they were really, cool. yeah, really good. And, and then and, long- time of energy.
0: Have you had transcriptions, blue canatine? Do you yes. have that there?
1: Yeah, you do. Yeah, okay. I do. I was wondering that. So that's, good. and I like, but I don't like, um, so, you know, you can have the one that they do. I like the pure blue rather oh, okay. than with the, the nicotine and the caffeine. Yeah. I like the pure blue. I um, do as well.
2: Do you I still have my coffee? Yeah.
1: yeah. Exactly, and also, I've have you ever tried doing just the pure blue with nootropics and caffeine?
0: <laughs> then no, you're just like a jigsaw no, bunny. Me.
1: <laughs> that's quite really. Funny. That's going a bit crazy, but yeah, if you've got like a really a day where you really need to bring it, I have combined them, um, and that that was that was a fun morning. I'm going to oh, be honest; wow. like, I wouldn't do that after midday. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's okay. a morning thing. And, <laughs> and what was, kind of coffee are you drinking? You're never going to sleep. Um, So it's one that I get here. It's a very local one in the UK, get the beans, and then um, I grind it myself, just have it black, or I'll put collagen powder in it. That's something actually I've been trying to find ways to sneak collagen in uh, recently, other than in smoothies. And I just find that collagen mixes so well in black coffee. And it it actually has like quite a nice creamy taste without putting any kind of milk or anything like that in it that you don't want to. So I
2: agree because I've been um I'm finally dairy free and I really love cream in my coffee, but I'm I'm off of that right now. I don't mind black coffee, but I really miss the creaminess and I found the same thing, the collagen, especially with like a little frother.
1: Really Yeah. Fun. Oh, interesting. I haven't frothed it actually. That's interesting. Ooh, it's Ooh. So fun.
2: Just a little handheld device, it takes two seconds and it it almost creates like a latte with no
1: ingredients, just collagen. I'm gonna try that tomorrow. Um because that was really interesting actually when I was doing all the research recently on collagen. I was just really fascinated by how it works and how it because it is really, really effective, isn't it, taken orally, and how it kind of tricks your body when when your body sees those amino acids and peptides, it kind of tricks the body to thinking there's been some kind of injury and breakdown of. Collagen. So then the body's like, like, oh, hello. I better make like up, you know, step up my production, which as you get older goes down. And then you've just given it exactly what it needs to do that. I just think it's it's brilliant. So I'm kind of yeah Yeah. experimenting with quite a few scoops of collagen at the moment, and I'll have to see. You never know. I may go into 2021 looking a bit younger. (laughs) That's (laughs) be my hope. (laughs) You already look amazing. So so. Angela, do you have a favorite? Try.
0: Do you have a favorite brand of collagen?
1: I'm using, and I don't know if this would be available where you are because they are a UK company called hunter gatherer. They do oh, a, a cool lot name. of kind of nose to tail and they do like really nice avocado mayo. Um, and they do a great collagen powder. Yeah. I don't know if they're in nice. the U S yet. What about you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I heard, haven't of heard, heard
1: of that one. Okay. Which one um, do you I use? Really
0: like. I really like the bulletproof vanilla collagen
1: protein. Oh, interesting. I haven't tried the flavored one.
0: Yeah. I like that one in coffee, smoothies, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. Nice. I have a few.
2: I use vital proteins, sometimes ancient nutrition. I'm not sure if I found a favorite.
1: I just kind of try to rotate all of them. Vital proteins is good. I've used that as well. That makes us really easy, doesn't it? Um, Yeah. 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 I've tried that one. Oh, amazing. So,
2: so I just took my last sip of my black mushroom coffee and I forgot that I had put some rosemary in there and I, I got a big chunk of rosemary that came out. That oh, was my yeah. nootropic of choice today. A little rosemary in the
1: coffee. Oh, in the coffee. That's nice. Does it taste yeah, good? I
2: use it like as a stir stick. I really didn't think I would I'd like the taste of it, but it's nice, especially in the winter. its It adds like a little bit of spice and it's supposed to be a, a cognitive boost.
1: So that's um, mushroom coffee, what, like Four Sigmatic or something? Four Sigmatic.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm just doing the the plain lion's mane blend, and then I just put a little rosemary stir stick in there. It's a little Christmas coffee.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It's nice. It's seasonal given <laughs> yeah. that we're, well, when this comes out, it will already be December. Yes. Um, yeah. Have you played with, uh, before you girls go, have you played around with um, lion's mane and enhancing your kind of dreaming and REM sleep? At all. I that's haven't. something I haven't done yet, but I'm that's that's on my my list of something to try next.
0: Um so I usually just take my lion's mane in the morning, and I've actually played around a little bit with a product that has, we'll say some other mushrooms in it. Um doesn't help with dreaming, but what has ha- uh, really helped me with dreaming is mugwort. Mugwort. You, mugwort. No, I have not tried that. I have had the craziest dreams. Right. Really? Confirm um, that. Yeah, <laughs> I I, yeah I text him
2: often a, a couple times of They're Hollywood of my... worthy. Honestly, you should start writing
0: scripts.
1: This is where yeah. you get to get your own bat Lauren when Renee's keeping you up, is you can just wake her up really early or something.
0: Unfortunately, I, I keep my I text phone her in the out morning. Of the room. Yeah. It doesn't work.
1: <laughs> doesn't work. Yeah. yeah it's funny she... when
0: people on the East coast, they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I texted you so early. I'm like, don't worry. I didn't see it. Yeah. It was <laughs> off anyway. Until I wake up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but tell me about wart. mugwort.
1: Yeah. What is this? I
0: guess it's been used, I think for thousands of years for lucid dreaming. Okay. Um, I guess it's maybe a type of plant medicine mug mugwort.
1: mugwort. It sounds like
0: something out of Harry Potter to me, but it, it does. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just take two capsules before bed and I've used it probably a little over two weeks now. And every night that I take it, like very vivid dreams. (laughs) Yeah. And I wake up and I remember my dreams. That's the other thing.
1: So that's kind of cool, isn't it? That's like when you're a kid and you remember your dreams so much more. Do you, are they good dreams? Do you have any kind of scary dreams? Because that's always my thing. My trepidation is how much dreaming do you want to enhance or are you just going to give yourself nightmares?
0: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I guess I haven't had any nightmares, just wild things. Like, you know, I ended up on the morning show with Kamala Harris as the producer, you know, just like weird current events that are falling into my dreams, I guess, but nothing scary. My favorite
2: dream that you had that you told me about Renee was when you went to the amusement park and you were standing in line and you didn't have your mask on. So they pulled you (laughs) aside and then they made you get up on stage with all the other park goers that hadn't worn their masks. And didn't you have to confess? It was like a, it was like a game of (laughs) thrones
0: shame presentation. Public shaming. It was. Yeah. One by one, you had to go up to the microphone. It was at Disneyland in my dream. You had to go up to the microphone and apologize to all the other park guests for not wearing your mask. But instead, I used that as a a platform to share how I feel about masks, and they ended up pulling me off the stage.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. This is like really vivid (laughs) dreaming. I need to... I'm making a note of this to try. Yeah, mugwort. I just bought it off of Amazon.
0: They had an organic mugwort on Amazon. Okay. All yeah. Right. Fun to try. My husband yeah, actually loves it, loves it too. too.
2: Yeah. Okay. We'll all report okay. back on our mugwort dreams.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. something we can all try out. We'll have to get back on another podcast and discuss our crazy hacks. Part yes, two, Follow up on all other yeah. stuff we're doing. Oh, but it's yeah. been amazing to chat to you guys. Thanks so oh, much for for setting up this time to get on and chat about all our kind of crazy things. Anything that you're looking forward to before you go in in the new year or plans over Christmas? I guess you guys have got Thanksgiving or had Thanksgiving.
0: Oh yeah, Thanksgiving is two
1: Thursday. days away.
0: As two days of away. when we're recording this. Okay. Um, I'm not traveling at all, Lauren. You're going home, I believe.
2: Yes, I'm going to Maryland. That's where our parents are. So oh, nice. I'll get some nature and some community and good food, but I'm, I'm really in search of some vitamin D this winter. I'm, I'm mm, i to with Just that out traveling is tough right now. So hopefully I can take my car to some
0: sunshine.
1: Oh, no. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, is Thanksgiving kind of get bigger than, is it the same as Christmas? Is it as big as Christmas? Because you guys have turkey on Thanksgiving, right? And we have that on Christmas Day. Oh, so. okay. So Thanksgiving
2: is really just a, a singular holiday. It's one day. I mean, okay. maybe it turns into a weekend, depending on what day it is. Where I feel like Christmas is the end, it feels like it's the entire month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does.
1: The whole month of December. Yeah. yeah. As soon yeah. as you start the advent calendars. <laughs> Yes. Yes.
0: yes. (laughs) How about you, Angela? Any, any fun things coming up?
1: Well, do you know, we were hoping to go away, but obviously like there's like, I don't know whether that will change next week, but there's a kind of bar on flying all but essential travel. So it's been Um, one of those years where we talking about vitamin D. So we tried to go to Mexico and then in April, and then that got canceled. And then we booked a holiday to Spain and then they put it on the quarantine list. So then that was canceled. And then eventually, I think in August, we managed to get out to Croatia, which to be fair, I've never been to before and is absolutely beautiful. So it actually worked out really well because we ended up doing something that we probably weren't going to do just yet. We were going to wait till the kids were older. And actually, it was an incredible holiday. So we managed to sneak that in and then basically got home. And then basically they barred anybody that was coming back from Croatia had to go into quarantine. And I think we literally kind of flew in under the radar about three days before. So we were thinking, oh, it'd be so nice to go away kind of new year. But at the moment, it's not looking that hopeful. So I think we'll be having a relatively quiet Christmas at home. But yeah, doing lots of things that you girls are talking about, walking. And we we live near the forest, so it's beautiful here. So we can do lots of that and kind of.
2: Nice. Nice. Just be together and eat good food. Exactly. We'll see the
1: sunshine one day.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so no
1: vitamin D there, Angela? I guess that's hard. Well, it's hard in the winter months, yeah. I mean, I think we most of us do take a vitamin D supplement in winter. I just think the thing Mm. is, it's really interesting, you know, because it was about a year ago I was interviewing Matt Maruka, who's just all so knowledgeable, isn't he, about all things light. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was interesting because he was saying, and I hadn't thought of it this way, he was like, well, yes, you get less light now, but you realize that everybody, it doesn't matter where you are, you get the same amount of light if you track it 365 days of a year. And I hadn't really mm-hmm. thought of that, but we do. And we have these amazing summer evenings, you know, where it's light till like 10, 10.30, and it's beautiful. Um, And it's light from sort of 4.30 in the morning. So not quite the same as as Sweden and and the Netherlands in that area, but we do, or Norway. Um, But the the downside is at this time of year, the sun doesn't really come up till about 7.30, verging on eight o'clock in the morning properly. And then it starts to, it's setting by 3.34. So it's a really short day. So you have to be really disciplined and get out early. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of difficult to get. Yeah. The sun's not really strong enough to get a lot of vitamin D, but we make yeah. up for it in summer holidaying in Europe and things like that. So. Yeah, Story yeah that is them.
2: really interesting. I mean, I mean, that makes sense. We wouldn't have made it this long if we couldn't adapt to not having that in the wintertime. Mm. And yeah, I think you I have think-
1: to really boost it up. And he was saying actually, it's interesting because he was like, but people have adapted for generations, as you say. And so then it's like a case of taking more advantage of kind of red and infrared and lighting the fire and being around that. And actually it's weird because my son and I, we sort of turned it on its head last year. We were like, well, we've got to approach this because we feel like we get seasonal adjustment disorder. So we're like, how can we turn this around? And I said, look, we're going to have the amazing experience of every day I pick you up from school, we're going to see a sunset. And when can you actually say that you see the sunset every single day? And so yeah. he was taking photos and it, it just like transformed the way that the fall was for us. It was amazing.
0: Oh, I love Aww, that simple that. change. It was great idea. It's, yeah.
1: yeah it was nice. That. Yeah. It's really, ritual. really nice. And Aww. the fires.
2: I'm definitely going to turn the fireplace on as much as possible. Mm, yeah.
1: yeah. That yeah, amber light. So nice. <laughs> exactly. So Aww. chilled well amazing oh, so, so lovely
2: to you so much. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love it we all speak at the same time we're so happy to talk to
1: each other <laughs> yeah it's been so much fun so thank you so much we'll have to get together again in the new year and we can uh we can touch base when i tried organic mogwat too
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> i want to hear yeah.
1: <laughs> yes we'll
0: definitely have to catch up soon
1: yeah for sure well thanks ladies thanks lauren thanks renee and i'll talk to you soon
0: yeah thank thanks angela, angela.
1: I really hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. You can find all the show notes over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com forward slash biohackerbabes. The transcript and all of the show notes will be there and I'll be linking to everything that we talked about. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast, then I have a favor to ask. If you could leave me a positive review on iTunes, that just really helps me to get the message out there and to a wider audience. If you have any feedback on the show, feel free to email me at Angela at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. Yes, it's really me reading the emails and I will get back to you even if it takes me a little bit of time. So do email me Angela at Angela AngelaFosterPerformance.com. And until next week, have a great rest of your week.
2: Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body, and lifestyle.